Thanks for checking out this podcast presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, or XL Energy Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota football, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone! Touch them all, Joe Maurer! And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. It's a beautiful game, Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. I didn't know they still had a team. That's baseball. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. You go through enough things on WebMD, you always have to. Yeah, for sure. Terrible. No doubt. Um, the statistics are not good in your favor. Yeah, no. That that you'd always have some form, maybe a mild form, yeah. but almost always malignant. Uh, the, the, speaking of malignant, the Twins, as of this recording, I, I believe have 91 losses. Yeah. And uh, barring a, a surge or a sweep of some kind, they're going to lose 100 this games. This team's going to lose 100 games. Now, you might not be old enough to have reference points to, uh, to go in the Wayback Machine to answer this question, but Judd and I, on our show today, we came up with the talker of, is this one of the most wasted individual performances in Minnesota sports history? I see that Mike Rand took that and ran with it on StarTribune.com, so uh, that's the old hockey assist for the Star Tribune for that column today. <laughs> yeah. um, is this among the top two or three most wasted seasons from an individual superstar performance on a bad team in Twins history. Now, you and I were, I was born in the 80s, you were born in 1990. So I did see some people with Rod Carew, late 70s, batted like 380-something on a okay. bad sub-500 Twins team. Yeah, was that the, re- the, the season he flirted with 400? It must and, have and that team was bad. Yeah. So um, the other ones that come to mind, Brad Radke won 20 games for a Twins team in 1997 that was like 68 and... Whatever ninety would be ninety four, I guess. And uh, to, to win twenty games on a bad team is a pretty amazing accomplishment. I mean, the win, wins are sort of a nebulous stat, and in the late nineties, it was a much more important stat in the baseball community than it is right now. But I think to, to go twenty and whatever he went on a bad baseball team that lost ninety something games is pretty incredible. Well, think about this: what if? So we like pitcher wins, right? As a stat, what if? What if we changed it? And all my stat heads out there. Shout out! What if we change the most it to white nerdy thing anyone's ever said? The congestion. To all my baseball stat yeah, heads the out there. Congestion doesn't help. <laughs> yeah. Shout out! Right. Uh, on the day that on the twentieth anniversary of Tupac's that's death, right. Pour one Derek, out. Derek is giving shout outs to his baseball stat heads. <laughs> Pour one out for my homie Tupac. Um, Babbit, baby. So, all right. What if we changed it from just wins, raw total of wins, to percentage of wins, and then we're talking Radke at somewhere like what would that oh. be? Somewhere between twenty-five and thirty-three percent. Now, well, here you go. A sixty-eight win team. What if you took it to a one hundred win team, like one of the better teams? You'd have to win thirty-five games for that team. Imagine that. <laughs> I mean, Radke's win percentage would have been so much like so much more impressive on a on a great team. Yeah. 
We took I, that that year. I would say Chuck Knobloch might fall in there. I don't know specifics, but I know Chuck Knobloch put up some crazy numbers on bad mid-90s Twins yeah, teams. Yeah, I mean, and like you referenced, I'm not going to be able to reach back as far, but you can't ignore the wasted career of Kevin Garnett. I mean... Okay, I brought that up and got shot down why? on the radio show. Explain to me. I'll play they, Devil's Advocate. I'll be you. Okay. You play the counter-argument of okay. why that doesn't count. They made the playoffs eight consecutive years. And where'd they go? The other counter that you could, if you were me, you would you would also say that it's it's actually mathematically more difficult to miss the playoffs the than make the playoffs yeah. in the NBA. Oh yeah, it's uh, not hard to be a perennial eight seed that can't beat anybody yeah. of playoff caliber. But if you if you're going from uh, if if the conversation is the gap between the individual performance and the team outcome, Kevin Garnett was the best player in basketball. All due respect to Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant and, and Shaquille O'Neal. As far as overall stat-stuffing abilities, Kevin Garnett was five or six assists per game, one of the best defensive players in the league, the best rebounder in the league, and could score whenever he wanted to, but chose to sort of distribute a lot more often. And won an MVP award, should have won multiple MVPs. And those teams were like seven seeds in the conference. I'm saying. And losing in the first round seven out of eight years. I'm saying. Absolutely should be on Wasted, not only, you could go point to individual seasons, but a wasted career. I also look at, I mean, these Twins teams were pretty good. So it's really hard to say this as an example. But the one that popped into my head when we're talking baseball here is Johan Santana. I remember that year they went to Oakland. Is that right? And he got, not outpitched, but he got beat. In the playoffs? Barry Zito. Yeah, in game one. And I, I, I wish I had the name, or uh, the year off the top of my oh, head. Say, I, that would have been 06. Don't. They went to Oakland uh, with Johan. Uh, Johan was a, was a reliever in 02, so they went, it would have been 06. Was it they the, got swept in three games the Frank play. Thomas year, yep. I'm guessing. And so, okay, that season, and I'll continue to contend this. We've talked about this a lot, both on your radio show and on the Touch em All podcast before. That season's got to be one of the biggest regrets for the Twins in my lifetime. Um, I was born the year they won that first World Series, so there have been a lot of regrets since now and then. But Both in life and baseball. That's right. But the 2006 Twins team with Liriano at the height of his powers and Johan Santana close to it, uh, you know, that's a team that maybe could have, should have gone deeper. You're talking at the, at the time before it was cool. To have two sort of co-aces at the top of a yeah, rotation. They had the two best starting pitchers in baseball yeah. in the same rotation and for I know, like four months. I get it. I know Francisco Liriano got hurt, so that's a big part of the math. But the fact that Johan Santana lost then in that first game, and now suddenly, now you look at a Twins team that they were going into Oakland saying, okay, well, we'll get game one and we'll figure it out from there. And then you don't get game one, and now you can't pitch Santana again until game yeah, four. I was at that game one, too. Is that right? We, it was. Uh, there was about a three-year stretch there. I guess it would have been 03, 04, and then in 06, where my friends and I all bought tickets, playoff tickets, like our go. last year in high school and then in college. Sure. And every time it was a game one buzzkill. Yeah. Or the first, whenever the first game was sure. at, uh, right. at the Metrodome. The it was Yankees, always a loss. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, look. And Torrey Hunter dove for a ball in center field against the that. A's and uh, came up with the home nothing. Run, huh? And people blame Torrey Hunter and people blame the pitching or Johan for not shutting down the A's. I think they got beat two to nothing in that first game. Okay, so uh, I maybe just score know, some runs. That's what time. I'm saying. Like, Am I just I still bitter after ten years. Yeah, wasted just, money on that playoff ticket. I look back and I say, okay, I'm not necessarily saying that Johan Santana's career was wasted, right? Because he was a big part of some pretty good Twins teams. But I do look and say. 
Man, any one of those guys. You could point to Torrey Hunter. You could point to Joe Maurer's MVP season in 2009. You could point to Justin Morneau, Torrey Hunter, Miguel Kadir, uh, uh, Michael Kadire. That's what his name would be if you were from the Dominican. <laughs> the Dominican. <laughs> Miguel Kadire signed out of the Dominican Republic. Um, the The switch from Twins have this stable of pretty great players, or, or good to great, players and a couple great ones sprinkled in um, the switch from that to suddenly not being able to field a competent pitching staff for six seasons in a row um, is been is kind of baffling to me but it's also you then get to look back and with the value of hindsight and retrospect say man those those teams weren't bad and maybe it's because i'm comparing them to the current product but you look at it and you say well I w- if only one of those twins teams could have had a couple more breaks. I'm not saying, you know. The 06 Twins team, that was the only Twins team in the 15-year period where they were, well, let's call it a 10-year period where they were competitive. Sure. Where I don't think they even needed the extra trade at the deadline. Sure. I think that team was good enough to win the World Series. That was the best team in baseball going into the playoffs that year. Sure. You had an MVP, a batting champion. You had gold gloves. You had the two best starting pitchers in baseball until Liriana blew out his elbow. And you had the second best closer in baseball yeah. and a great setup bridge to that closer. And you didn't win a playoff game that so let's, year. Let's tie it back to the current team because I don't want this to be a nostalgia-only podcast. But I, I think that it's fun as fans. It's fun as media members. It's fun as observers. Or as Mike Zimmer would say, as sports talk radio guys, talking heads. I think that it's fun to play this game of, um, you know... Why have we had so many conversations about LeBron in the past 10 years? Well, the truth of the matter is he's one of the best players of all time. Whether you think he's the greatest or not, it's basically irrelevant. And this argument of where would he have taken the 90s Bulls or where would the present-day Cavs or Heat be with Michael Jordan, these are stupid conversations to me, but they're fun to... They open up the dialogue, right? Same with this. The Brian Dozier conversation... The Twins obviously don't get the choice to say, okay, well, listen, Doge. Can we, can we call you Doge? Doge. <laughs> I want you to be really good for a couple of seasons and, you know, play good defense, be a decently good base runner and hit, hit some home runs, become more of a power hitter, sort of come into your own and be not a household name, but, you know, a player that you'd recognize if you're watching the Twins on the Game of the Week and you live in Oregon. You know who Brian Dozier is. Well, and then we're going to get some pitching in here. That's when, Dozier, that's where we really take off. We're going to get some starting pitching. We're going to have three co-aces. We're going to have a bullpen that shortens the game and makes it a six-inning baseball game so that any time we have a lead, we can run out reliever X, reliever Y, and reliever Z. Can you pause his, his career? Like can Exactly. We, can we pause Brian Dozier at, what is he, 28, 29? Yeah, up there. he's late 20s. Can we pause him in his late 20s and bring him back? Like, can we free, two or three years. Can we freeze him Cryogenic cryogenically <laughs> and bring him back in like three years when Listen, the new front office is Doge. pitching? Can we, can we still call you Doge? <laughs> Byron Buxton. We'll call him Froge. Bri- Brian. <laughs> I see what you did there. Bit of a tasteless joke, but that's okay. Brian, uh, Brian, um, Byron Buxton is going to be a bit of a star here in a couple of years, but he's not quite there yet. We Actually, want he, your he might be there now. Might be yeah. there. We'll talk about that in a second. We want your prime athletically. We want uh, Jose Barreos. We want Miguel Sano. We want Jorge Polanco. We want these to kind of coincide. If you don't mind, 
I know you got a couple 40-bomb seasons in the tank, but maybe just pocket those for now. Hang on to them, and then I'll let you know. 2019, bust out another 42 yeah. spot if you could. Obviously, that's kind of the running joke is that they don't get that decision. Um, but it is a bit of a shame that somebody has really turned not only his season around, but I would argue he's turned his whole career around. Yeah. And uh, to to see that turnaround basically go to waste on a team that's probably going to lose 100 games, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. Uh, Paul Molitor had another wasted. Paul Molitor, age 39 or 40, I think he was 40, uh, his first year with the Twins in 1996. Okay. And he batted 341 as a 40-year-old and also had his 3,000th hit in Kansas City and was the first ever player in baseball history to have a triple as his 3,000th hit. And all of this happened on a Twins team that gave up like 900 runs. Yeah. And couldn't get yeah. anybody out. Now, they scored a bunch of runs, but I would say Paul Molitor as a 40-year-old and that Twins team, I think, losing 90-some games, uh, or at least like somewhere in the, the upper 80s. How about Jim Tomey? Coming back to the Twins, See, you're name, but, you're, but you've named a couple playoff seasons, too. Like I, sure. Um, those are wasted seasons. Sure. In that 06 is much more of a wasted season than 2010 because that was the better team, and to not sure. win a playoff fair. game is ridiculous. That's fair. I don't know if I'd call 2010 a wasted season, okay. though. Because you opened a new ballpark. Yeah, you were closer to it than I would. Uh, you lost uh, I to was. the you lost to a better team in the playoffs okay. that year. You didn't. Your best starting pitcher was probably Carl Pavano yeah. in 2010, yeah, and they're running out. Did. I don't. CC Sabathia think, in his prime. Did Brian Dunsing start a playoff game that year? Yes, that he, yes, he did. He started Game Three of the in New York. Yeah, so like that. And Twins fans might look back on that and say that's a regrettable season. But like, look, you started. No offense to Brian Dunsing, I think he's a great guy and he had a serviceable career as a lefty reliever. But that that's your third best starting pitcher yeah. by that time. That time of year rolled around. You don't, frankly, you know, to be blunt about it, you don't deserve to be in the World Series conversation. You haven't constructed a team that that belongs in that conversation. Uh, that 2006 team did belong in that conversation. So that's. I mean, when you look at wasted seasons for a whole team. Or even a whole career. Like, I'm not going to give up on this Kevin Garnett one. I think Kevin Garnett is I'm a, huge, with you on that a huge waste. Yeah. Um, I'm trying uh, to think the, Vikings examples. The, the Gopher basketball team wasted Joel Prisbilla and Chris Humphreys in seasons in which I don't think they went to the NCAA okay. tournament. And those guys were kind of one-and-done players. In fact, Chris Humphreys is the last Gopher basketball player to be drafted in the first or second round. Hmm. It's been a, a decade and a half since a Big Ten team, the Gophers, Jeez. had an NBA draft pick. Uh, Vikings... Hmm. There's probably been a couple of Adrian seasons where, like, he ran, yeah, when he ran no for doubt. 2000, they uh, they did go to the playoffs yeah, because he was, ran for 2000. Uh, yeah, that was the Ponder year. I don't know. Just so we don't drag this out, if you do have suggestions, tweet them. I would love to hear them at Derek Wetmore or at Phil Mackey, and uh, we will uh, we'll take your thoughts into consideration. But yeah, that's all we can offer. Really, no guarantees. <laughs> I don't like to make promises. I can't uh, keep Byron Buxton. Now, we did see the light bulb go on a little bit his first week of a call-up back in, like, May, but he's been on everything. Yeah. Multiple home runs, not striking out as often since the 1st of September. So Can I can I interrupt you before you finish making that point in that I, I think it's funny, this image of a light bulb, because it's either on or it's not, and that's like there's two. It's a very just, it's a strict dichotomy. Why can't it be have, flickering? Or like, like, or like one of those a, light bulbs that you sort of turn the, the It's a dimmer knob. switch. Yeah. I think, I think Byron Buxton's dimmer switch is fading closer to bright than it was <laughs> at the beginning of this season. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear, and I think um, I'll let you finish your point. But like, No, my point was basically just, my question was, 
we've you and I have both been buying extra hypothetical oh, Byron Buxton. We're stock retiring early on that stock because now it's on the way back up. Yeah, this is like 2009 when the crash happens and people are pulling their money out, and you and I are the smart investors. Sure, we're saying in the history of this country over the last hundred years. Mm-hmm. The stock market always rebounds, and it goes back up. Let's put money into some yeah, of these stocks. We were buying discounted stocks. Yeah. So Byron Buxton, players of that caliber with that kind of domination in the minor leagues and that many tools, they don't just flame out and hit 200 yeah. and never make a peep in the major leagues. Well, and it can happen, and there are very rare instances in which it does, but I think if you're putting you know, the percentages, more likely that a player with that kind of talent figures out something, at least. I mean, is it... Like if he's always going to strike out in half his plate appearances, all right, fine. Then he's just a bench guy that you bring in as a pinch runner once he learns the you know more nuanced aspects of base running, and he's a defensive replacement. Well, that's too bad because that's not what you think of for a top five overall pick. But it's not nothing. I think the percentage is more likely though. As hard as it is to develop players, even position players, as hard as it is. I still think when you look at the minor league numbers, it was it's always a thought of, okay, he didn't do that by accident. Some people have suggested to me maybe his swing which is a little bit longer. He's not as direct to the ball as some hitters like a Miguel Sano. Uh, all right, maybe he can hit minor league pitching because there's no velocity down there. And I just I don't agree with that. It's possible he has a different swing, or or more to the point, it's possible that his swing is it better translates to hitting in the minor leagues, but it's not like he never faced velocity in double AA, A, triple A. Don't give me that. And yeah, it's not and like velocity is his only problem no, up here either. And I would venture to say there's you face a lot of velocity in high A and double A when there's just big power arms worse, all too. over the place. They don't know where it's going. Right. Like <laughs> you're up there with fearing for your life. Right. Not that it's, you know, easier to hit major league pitching because yeah, you no. know where it's going, but um so, sometimes it's just in today's age we hyperanalyze small sample size because we've been following someone for multiple years coming up through a system or we've been following players in college and then they get drafted to the NFL and if they're not good right away then oh my god like Alex Smith just threw for 350 yards and a bunch of touchdowns this last weekend uh, to help the Chiefs come back Alex Smith was an afterthought and dead and gone in the NFL Mm -hmm. in today's society well as it turns out Maybe he shouldn't have been thrown on the fire. Maybe he just needed different infrastructure. Maybe he needed uh, a different offensive coordinator, whatever it is, and, and just needed a few years to have it play out. Now he's a very good, probably slightly above average NFL quarterback. Hey guys, it's Phil Mackey from 1500 ESPN and one of the hosts of Sports Over Beers, the original 1500ESPN.com podcast, where you find your favorite 1500 ESPN personalities drinking beer and talking sports. Pretty simple. Find it on iTunes, Podcast One, and 1500ESPN.com. I talked to a Twins coach this last homestand. Uh, We talked a lot about Buxton, actually, about the idea that exactly what you're talking about here. Well, and, and not to, you know, I'm certainly not nostalgic for the way it used to be or anything like that. I'm just saying this is the landscape of the game and how it's changed. Now... There are places like the Baseball Americas, which are fantastic. There's like there's fan graphs. There are wonderful places that are saturating the the market, the internet, with baseball coverage that didn't previously exist. In the past, you might have heard of Byron Buxton's name when the day he was drafted. Hey, the Twins uh, had their annual first year player draft this year, and here are a couple of the notable names. 
here's scouting director so-and-so with a quote about their first-round pick. Well, we really like him. We think he's going to be a good player. We'll see him in six years. Like, okay, all right. Now you've got that six-year window. And for, forget about prof- uh, professional baseball. Think about professional, like, you know, just jobs in general. Take an 18-year-old kid, develop that guy or gal for six years in a professional setting where, okay, suddenly, you know, you went to high school and you learned how to learn and all that, but now this is your job. Figure out how to become proficient at what you do. There's a chasm between 18-year-old self and 24-year-old self, and you see that in baseball too, except the problem is we have way more, and this was the coach's point, we have way more opportunities to check in on that person now. Yes. You get to see that person who went to a college party at 19 and had a little too much to drink and you know, didn't show up for the Saturday morning shift. But you get to see like the baseball version of that. Or exactly. Some, sometimes I'm not you see, sometimes you see the literal version of that. Yeah, I'm like, not <laughs> suggesting that's Buxton. In fact, quite the opposite. Yeah, but uh, the baseball version of that is uh, you get off to a horrible start at like high A Fort Myers, sure. and you uh, you have a bad approach at the plate against right-handed pitching or something. Here's a great example: Oswaldo Arcia last year gets sent down, doesn't get the call up, but he was struggling. He was scuffling in the minor leagues. He hit some home runs, and that was great. But from the people I talked to with the Twins, it was, yeah, but he's hitting hit-me pitches. And I, I kind of rolled my eyes, and I said, well, okay, but he's hitting them. So that counts for something. And I say, yes, but we don't think that's a sustainable mark. We think this is the kind of thing, potentially, where, you know, and this wasn't like they were dogging on Arcia. They were just ex- defending themselves for why he's not being called up despite a power surge. Um, and these are things you can't see if you don't watch the games, and I'm one of those people. I don't watch the AAA games. You know, Maybe our buddy Seth Stowes could tell me, no, that's not true. He's hitting really good pitches yeah. out. But their point was um, you know, he's not really primed for success in the majors. People find out the holes in his swings in two seconds, exploit those until he's hitting 150 up here, and then he's, and then he's valueless. Um, this person's um, point the coach I talked to last week was about Byron Buxton um, – not only the hyper-scrutiny that is on him, but think about this. And this isn't something that really crossed my mind. How much research, how much money, how much professional development has gone into Byron Buxton since even before the Twins drafted him? They were doing you know, psychological studies on him and other players, and maybe they're informal, and you can criticize the way scouts collect information if you want to. I'm certainly not that person. I think scouting and statistics really need to find a way to enhance yeah. each other. But if if you're sort of on the you know statistical side of the fence and you're going to criticize scouting, I think even those people can't discount the fact that the Twins' um, sort of ardent belief that Byron Buxton would eventually succeed was not necessarily rooted in the fact that he's got really quick hands and he's a, got a strong, accurate arm in center field and he hits well in the minor leagues. Certainly that was all a part of it, but the thing that this coach pointed out to me was that we trust what's between his ears that he's going to be able to handle this because he hasn't really hand or he hasn't had to handle. It's like Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper didn't have to handle failure yes. really at any point, yes. and then when you're confronted with it on a very major stage, you start to wonder, well, okay, how's he going to deal with this? Byron Buxton's uh, sort of mental makeup, to borrow a, a a scouting term, is something that the Twins felt very strongly in, even when he was in that rut. So they didn't feel like, man, we're killing this kid's yeah. confidence. They thought, it's possible his confidence is wavering, but I think he's strong enough to handle it. Yeah, I think uh, everything you just said is, yeah, it's 
100% spot on. I wish I could disagree and we had more dissension on this podcast sometimes, but uh, you are oftentimes you're investing in someone's ability to figure out how to overcome adversity. You're not only investing in their skill set and their talent and their mind, but you're investing in their ability to handle the unknown. You can prepare, and this this is more of a life philosophy than anything, right? If you if you hire a young talent at work or or whatever the business is, or uh, I mean, and oftentimes this is how parenting works too, right? And you neither you or I have kids, but ultimately your job as a parent is to not prepare your child for every situation they're going to face in life, but prepare them in a way that offers them the best opportunity to overcome the things that they might need to overcome. And that's sort of top prospects in baseball too. If I'm hiring, uh, if I'm a widget company and I'm hiring the next up-and-comers, I don't want the person who's best at making today's widgets. You can teach, uh, well, pretty soon we'll be teaching robots how to do that. But I want someone who is able to find what the next field of widgets is and uh, be able to prepare and adapt to that. Um, let's do this because uh, have we've... robots do the rest of the podcast for us? Actually, that, that's exactly what Eventually, I was going to say. Yeah, one day. You know what? I'm actually shocked. If you're still listening 20 plus minutes into this show and uh, you're that diehard of a Twins fan in a 91 loss season, then we might just we might just put robots in halfway through to see if you're a robot. <laughs> like, what, are you right. a robot? Just see if you're still paying attention. Automated listening right now. I you just brought up an interesting point. I mean, I just I want to say this one thing to the people that are still listening. Um, in future seasons, when the twins are better, we will be able to crank this thing up more. Um, in this season, when it's just you know, how many times can we say the twins need to have a better than five point six zero ERA as a pitching staff? How, how many times can we analyze that? How many times can we break it down? I personally am looking forward to a season in which we can do you know longer episodes or deeper dives on specific topics or. Um, multiple episodes per week or whatever. Right now, we're just not there yet with this Twins team. I will say, however, if you are still listening to this podcast, we certainly appreciate your ears. I love hearing from people who listen to the podcast on Twitter. I know, Phil, you've said the same to me. Um, Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know some of the things you want to hear about. And, And also, if you would do us a favor, go either subscribe on iTunes or if you're already subscribed, Leave us a rating, a review, because when you leave those reviews, it helps the podcast spread. It helps it go to more people. Um, if you love us or if you just hate listen, I don't care. Give us a review, um, preferably on the five-star end of the spectrum, but we're not too picky around here. Uh, leave us something to know that, hey, yeah, you're still listening and you'd like us to keep doing this stuff. I, I like doing it. It's a lot of fun to do, and we'll keep doing it in the off season. But uh, I always like to hear feedback from listeners, too, so we can make the show better for you. And we'll dive into more, maybe starting next episode. I know there's there's rumors out there. Rep Bollinger talked to Jed Hoyer, and uh, Bob Nightingale had a report that, is it Jason McLeod? McLeod from the, the Cubs. Uh, the Cubs assistant GM. The Twins have asked for permission to interview him. And I can just tell you, everything I've heard all summer is that that Cubs cabinet is all in on winning a World Series. And so it's going to be tough to pry somebody away until maybe late October unless you blow them away with an offer. But they're doing the smart thing. The Twins are doing the smart thing by going to smart teams that are lapping them right now in not only analytics but also just whether it's player development. I don't don't care what the Twins are being lapped in. It's clear they're being lapped. So go figure out what the other teams are doing that's better than you whether it's something they keep to themselves and is not really broadcast in the media, like medical staffs, there's a, I can tell you, there's a big disparity between the best and worst. I don't think the Twins are the worst. Um, some people have floated that on Twitter. I absolutely don't buy that. But I do think that there are some teams that invest more in that kind of stuff. 
Um, go figure out what the good teams are doing. Yeah, go talk to try s- to pry that from them. Go talk to smart people, smart organizations. What you should have been doing that even when you were having success. There's just I've been banging on this uh, door for years on this platform, but um, but then also be okay with not knowing everything. And I feel like sometimes the twins rejected outside thoughts and ideas because this is the way we've always done it. Uh, but the one thing I would say, un- unsolicited advice here is don't hire based on success by association. Agreed. Just because you work for the Cubs or Facebook or whatever it may be yeah. doesn't mean that you were a driving factor behind that entity's success. So I'm all for going to the Cubs and going to the Cardinals and different organizations that have had success and uh, finding out what makes them tick and what their blueprint is. But at the same time, don't go hire so- don't go hiring somebody who maybe has some plaques and some awards based on somebody else's driving the bus. My suggestion, again unsolicited, Zuckerberg for next president of Twins Baseball Operations. All in.